I am Bishop Robert Gruss, the Bishop of the Diocese of Rapid City. In late May of 2015, the Diocese of Rapid City began an envisioning process meant to assist in clearly defining a course for ministry for the diocese for the next three to five years. The outcome of this process would help to strengthen and focus the resources of the diocese so that more effective ministry could be carried out in building up the church in western South Dakota. From this planning process came the Diocesan Priority Plan, outlining a carefully defined mission statement to serve as the foundation. It also produced a set of core values that guides how we conduct ourselves as a diocese, a five-year vision statement to direct our plans, three major priorities for the diocese with supporting goals, and goals for the foundational ministries of the Church in Western South Dakota. In July of 2016, I completed a pastoral letter entitled, Through Him, With Him, and In Him, a Spiritual Guide to the Diocesan Priority Plan. This document clearly defines the priority plan, and I have invited and encouraged everyone in the diocese to read and fully engage this pastoral plan so that, as our sacred mission states, each of us can do our part in attracting and forming intentional disciples who joyfully, boldly, and lovingly proclaim and live the mission of Jesus Christ, leading to eternal life. What you are about to hear is a reading from Through Him, With Him, and In Him, a spiritual guide to the diocesan priority plan, followed by a group discussion with the panel of laymen and women and me. Chapter 11, Funding the Mission. I begin with the reading of the second letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Consider this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each must do as already determined, without sadness or compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Moreover, God is able to make every grace abundant for you, so that in all things, always having all you need, you may have an abundance for every good work. You are being enriched in every way for all generosity, which through us produces thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this public service is not only supplying the needs of the holy ones, but is also overflowing in many acts of thanksgiving to God. In seeing the title of this chapter, one may be tempted to turn the page. The very words, funding the mission, reveal something that implies a cost. But doesn't discipleship imply a cost? In fact, didn't Jesus lay out the condition for discipleship? Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit would there be for one to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? Or what can one give in exchange for his life? What it means to be a disciple is to make a conscious decision to follow Jesus no matter what the cost. Over time, Christian disciples experience conversion, life-shaping changes of mind and heart, and commit their very selves to the Lord. The way of discipleship is privileged above all others because Jesus himself said, I came so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops pastoral letter entitled Stewardship, a Disciple's Response speaks of the life of discipleship as one that can only be maintained as long as nothing is allowed to come between Christ and ourselves, neither the law nor personal piety nor even the world. It is about priorities, putting Christ first in our lives and living in his promise. 
In other words, because discipleship is not a comfortable way of living, we must embrace the cross. Using words from Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, The Cost of Discipleship, there is no such thing as cheap grace. When Christ calls a man, says Bonhoeffer, he bids him come and die. Cheap grace is the grace we bestow upon ourselves, preaching of forgiveness without repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. It is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate in our lives. Costly grace would be the treasure hidden in the field, the pearl of a great price, the gospel which must be sought again and again, the gift which must be asked for, the door at which we must knock. It is costly grace because it calls us to follow. It is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it requires a disciple, for Jesus' sake, to put aside the craving for domination, possession, and control. It is grace because it confers true liberation and eternal life. It is costly, finally, because it condemns, and grace because it justifies the sinners. We answer the call of discipleship as an act of obedience, not as a confession of faith. And we allow Jesus to lead us down the path he has chosen for each of us. In doing so, we will experience that life in abundance which he promised. If God's kingdom is to be made present more fully, then this pastoral plan must become in the hearts of each of us a mutually shared vision. Each of us must see ourselves as collaborators in the priesthood of Jesus Christ, sharing in his saving work. For Christians, though, the only choice we have is whether we want to live out our baptismal call, our life in Christ. The laity are active, or called to be active, collaborators in the priesthood of Jesus Christ, sharing in his saving work. No matter who we are, clergy, religious, layperson, married, single, adult, or child, each of us has a unique role to play in carrying out God's divine plan. How we personally respond to our call is up to each one of us. The call into a life of ministry is mutual, but is also united to the ministry of Christ. In his book entitled, In the Name of Jesus, Reflections on Christian Leadership, Father Henry Nouwen reflected, quote, The mystery of ministry is that we have been chosen to make our own limited and very conditional love the gateway for the unlimited and unconditional love of God. Therefore, true ministry must be mutual. True disciples are people who are so deeply in love with Jesus that they are ready to follow him wherever he guides them, always trusting that with him they will find life and find it abundantly. End of quote. Funding the mission of Jesus Christ means that we are a community of believers who seek to live our lives for the gospel and for others. We therefore embrace his mutually shared vision for the sake of building Christ's kingdom. Again, in the words of Father Henry Nouwen, quote, Community is, first of all, a quality of the heart. It grows from the spiritual knowledge that we are alive not for ourselves but for one another. Community is the fruit of our capacity to make the interests of others more important than our own. The question, therefore, is not how can we make community, but how can we develop and nurture giving hearts, end of quote. So how can we develop and nurture giving hearts? By becoming faithful stewards and placing stewardship at the very center of our lives. Stewardship is the one thing which will bring a tepid community of faith into a vibrant community filled with intentional disciples of Jesus. Stewardship means receiving all of God's gifts gratefully, cultivating them responsibly, sharing them lovingly in justice with others, 
and then returning them with increase to the Lord. For the faithful steward, each day is lived in a personal and trusting relationship with the Lord through prayer in all activities. Our lives become an an act of faith through which we profess that we belong to God and all that we possess is His. Becomes an act of trust through which we place our life in God's loving hands and make Him our treasure. Becomes an act of worship through which we adore Him as the giver of all good things and becomes an act of belonging through which we unite our offerings with those of the rest of our diocesan and parish family, so that together we might care for the needs of one another, proclaiming and living the mission of Christ. In order for the priority of funding the mission to become a reality, further planning will be necessary. We will begin to form committees to develop a diocesan facility master plan, in order to probe the possibility of a new chancery building and look toward the needs for future growth on the Terra Sancta campus. Having the proper space is a driving force in ministry and greatly affects what can be provided in the diocese. Without appropriate space, ministries in the diocese face limitations and restrictions on activities, events, and programs to carry out the mission and promote the vision. Physical space provides for the possibility of new and vital ministries in the future. Because of this reality, a financial plan will be created to fund the many important ministries of the diocese and our mission. This planning is stated in the following priority goals. 1. Develop a diocesan facility master plan by March 1, 2017 to include plans for a new chancery building and plans for the Terra Sancta campus. 2. Implement a financial plan to fund diocesan efforts, ministries, and facilities by July 1, 2017. The pastoral plan presents the pastoral priority funding the mission by asserting that our pastoral plan lays out the vision and priorities for the Diocese of Rapid City. Our plan will be successful because disciples of Jesus Christ accept their call to joyfully and generously share their gifts so that the gospel can be proclaimed and lived in western South Dakota. Reflection Questions 1. How has God blessed me with his abundant love? 2. How do I show my gratitude to God, the giver of all good gifts? 3. Do I fully trust God with my life, my love, and my treasure? What do I need to more fully surrender everything to the Lord? 4. How do facilities and resources affect fellowship, evangelization, formation, worship, outreach in a parish and the diocese? 5. How do I feel when I give from my heart? 6. What is the cost of discipleship for me? Well, I'd like to um, welcome our panel today. Before we get started with our conversation, I would just invite you to introduce yourself, share a little bit about who you are. I'm Todd Tobin. I'm the Development Director for the Diocese of Rapid City. And I'm Rick Solick. I'm the Chief Financial Officer for the Diocese of Rapid City. And I'm Father Grant Gerlach. I'm currently the pastor of three parishes in the Southern Black Hills. Great. Well, welcome to all of you. I guess, you know, being the CFO and being the Director of Development and, and being a good, faithful pastor, you all know a little bit of something about, about funding things, no? <laughs> Since it's part, of, it's part of your mission and in your position with the diocese. So um, before we get started, I just kind of want to kind of remind people, funding the mission is, um, you know, it's one of the, it's the third pastoral priority, diocesan pastoral priority. Obviously the ones before that, is we've had conversations about those, but the first one was reconciliation, and the second one was uh, forming disciples, and now we get to the third. You know, when we talk about funding the mission, 
as I, as I write in this document, it reveals or it implies a cost. But isn't the mission more about money? Huh? Isn't the, isn't the mission that we're called to in the church and in the diocese more than just about money? Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, we have to fund what, the, you know, the work and the ministry of the diocese. And I think that's, that's why the, this priority is important. You know, as, as we look at the mission to which we're called to, you know, the mission of Jesus Christ following the gospel in mean, the Diocese of Rapid City, obviously it's, it's a, there's a lot involved in the, in the mission. And somehow for us to, as, as, as a diocese to carry out the mission of Jesus Christ across the diocese, obviously funding is important and funding is necessary. But also some of the things that come to mind oftentimes is when people are asked to fund something, Oftentimes people's response, there they go again, the church is asking for money. Mm -hmm. How do we respond to that in in light of living a mission? One of the uh, fun things that I've learned since being here is that if you want to know a Catholic's opinion, ask them for money. And they (laughs) often think that that all we seem to be about is asking for money. To me, um, the money is not the lifeblood of the church. To me, the lifeblood of the church is the Holy Spirit. The money is the manna in the desert. We have to have for food, clothing, shelter, transportation, and utilities to be able to carry out the ministry of what Jesus laid forth to us. And so often we get that confused with what our real purpose is. Our purpose is to evangelize. Money just happens to be part of that process and we have to be generous. And it leads to the discussion of what is a donation? Is it a sacrificial donation, or is it just that's left over that we have? It's a, it's a rich discussion to have a distinction between the two, but both are very necessary. When I've been going out and talking to folks about living the mission here, we have been talking about the sacrificial gifts. And it, and it is true that here we need money to go and, and accomplish a lot of the things that are in the pastoral plan. But I think just as important as our needs is the the good stewardship of the funds that that God has given to all of us. We're going to be good stewards of the funds that people give to us in living out the mission, just as the folks that are giving it are being good stewards of their own funds. And when you connect to that call uh, to live the mission, to it, it needs its necessary support, whether material or spiritual. Uh, what we're looking at here with this particular chapter of this plan is funding the mission. It, it seems like from the from the chapter we can read that it slowly progresses from this recognition of discipleship has this response that is sometimes uncomfortable because Jesus sometimes leaves, leads us into places that we don't necessarily want to go. Or perhaps he asks us of something that we don't necessarily want to hear uh, because it makes us move into a place that's maybe a little uncomfortable out of our own selves. We have to trust and depend on him more and more. And as we slowly maybe perhaps recognize that more and more, chapter seems to lead in this uh, conversation of stewardship, that we recognize that when we trust and depend on him more and more for what we truly need, that we recognize that these are gifts that are given to us so that we can respond to this call, to the mission that he has given to us, the body of Christ, the mission of the church in Western South Dakota for us here in the diocese. That's where this connection to discipleship, to stewardship, uh, to supporting the mission in this particular way, has much more of a, of a broad aspect than just a dollar sign. It is like you referenced in the chapter uh, with pastoral letter from the USCCB. It's a, it's a, a disciple's response to the Lord.
and uh, I can kind of, my own personal reflection on this is that I know that this is a call of the Holy Spirit working through his church in Western South Dakota and to just respond to that call of the Lord. Not only the human beings that make up the body of Christ, but it is the call of the Lord working through the Spirit that we are called to support the life and the mission of the church in our diocese. Yeah, oftentimes, I, at least I've discovered over my 25 years of priesthood and and even more recently, as I talk to young people, I meet with confirmation kids before the, an hour before they're confirmed. And I have a conversation, mostly, you know, it's about the sacrament of confirmation, but then I get into the Mass a little bit. If I have enough time with the kids, you know, I, I talk about the Mass, and then I begin to break down the Mass, helping them to look at it as, in a sense, this is not an event that we attend, but this really is an encounter. You know, with an encounter with Christ at all the sacraments of the church or personal intimate encounters with Jesus. You know, oftentimes I don't know that people connect their financial resources with their faith. I mean, they, they don't always make that connection. Oftentimes, well, the church just wants more. The church just wants more of my money. And I ask the kids, when we talk about the collection, and I ask them, do you get an allowance? And yes, yes, some do, some don't. Do you, do you give any of that allowance to the church? And some do and most don't and why do people put money in the collection basket and oftentimes they will say because the church wants our money and i said well that, if that's true i said if that's true that's not a good thing just because the church wants our money and i tell them when we look at this collection at mass it has nothing to do in any fashion shape or form with the church with the parish wanting or needing our money that it comes out of my own need. There's something in my heart is longing for the Lord so much. There's this, this deep gratitude in my own heart for all that the Lord has given to me. It's a way of me making a return to the Lord for all that he's given to me. Obviously, we believe in sacrifice and sacrificial giving. And what we give back is sacrificial in proportion to what the Lord has given to us. It's not at all about, well, the church, the parish needs my money so we can <clears throat> pay the electric bill or... The kids don't quite understand that because I don't know that all, all Catholics do really understand that. Father Grant and I share an affinity for baseball. As a young person, I knew what sacrifice was. It's a sacrifice fly, you know, where somebody sacrifices to get somebody to the next base. And, you know, that really, for me, as church giving went, was really sort of a foundation that I had that somebody else would give and somebody else wouldn't and somebody would. It didn't really have a truly intellectual understanding or spiritual understanding. And years ago, where I lived in, in California, I was at the cathedral in San Francisco, and after Mass, I heard two parishioners talking about why is it that we Catholics, when we present the gifts during Mass, always put the money first? I thought, you know, that, that's a good question. I did not know. You know, why wouldn't we put the communion wafers first before they're consecrated or the blood? And so I called Father Pete Kavoric, who... Uh, we uh, knew each other for many years, and, and I said, uh, Father Pete, I said, why, why is that? And he said, well, it's because we no longer bring lambs and calves to the altar. But not just any lamb or calf, it is the first fruit. It is a true sacrifice, especially knowing that the offspring of that animal would not be brought forth to, to breed and, and bring more prosperity to the family. That this incredible sacrifice was really important because the Mass is the most important, for me as a Catholic, the Mass is the most important thing for me to do. And so in that light, it put a whole new perspective. And it still took a, several years before I, I adjusted my financial thinking in, in light of being able to support that, uh, that concept. And today, it's just now second nature. Yeah, 
and when it, when I think about the sacrifice that we're all offered to go and give at the at the mass and at and at other places, um, I go and I think about the historical teaching of the ten percent, and there was a, a priest at Blessed Sacrament that really had a nice a nice sermon on it not too long ago. And they said, you know, what the church is asking isn't necessarily the 10% for the church. They're asking for, you give to whatever you want at about 5%. You go and you give to your church somewhere between 3 and 4%, and then you give to the diocese the other 1%. And, and I got thinking about it, and I was thinking, we're, we're, only, we're only asking for 1% of people's first fruits. One percent of anything doesn't seem like you're being very grateful or very sacrificial, but yet that's what we're asking folks to do. And it is a sacrifice, but if I start thinking about it in those terms, it seems to be a lot more of a realistic sacrifice. And to kind of carry off of what Todd was saying with uh, the baseball analogy, for the person or the player that's at bat, what they're being asked to do is give their at bat up and that at-bat could produce many, many good things. Home runs, triples, doubles, whatever. And they're being asked to be uh, sacrificial and to give their at-bat up. And perhaps uh, for the betterment of the team, uh, provide something good for the team in that aspect. In some ways, that's part, of, part and parcel of our Eucharistic spirituality. This, uh, whatever it might be, this, this gift that I'm offering in the offertory at Mass, I could use that gift for lots of things and lots of good things, but I'm being asked to die to that so that it might be used for something else, for something else that's hopefully good. That might scare us a little bit. Maybe I don't know what good this will go to, right? It might give us a moment of trepidation or pause or whatever it is, but that's part and parcel of our Christic spirituality. I could do a lot of good things with this gift that I'm preparing to give, right? But I'm being asked to die for it so that another good can come from it. Maybe a good that is unforeseen at this moment, but still, uh, I'm being asked to make that sacrifice. Not only with the collection, that's what we do with the bread and the wine. Many people want to sit around on a Friday night maybe eating wheat, a little wheat bread hosts, but uh, maybe a glass of wine. We could do a lot of good things with these bread pieces of bread and this wine, right? But what we're asked to do is kind of like we have to die to that purpose, and we're asked to give that, give those two things for this greater purpose of the sacrifice of the mass, so that in that sacrifice, the thing, the very things that God has given us, this is part and parcel of the first Eucharistic prayer. These gifts that you have bestowed upon us, Lord, this fruit of the earth and this fruit of the vine that you have given us, these are your gifts to us. Now we return them to you. And as we return them to you in this sacrifice, you give to us something much greater, which is your son. And so we see the fruit of the sacrifice. And that's all part and parcel of our Eucharistic spirituality, not only as Catholics, but as Christians. And so I can see the connection there between this funding the mission and being asked to be generous and sacrificial with a giving of a certain part of our lives so that something good, something very good can come from it. Yeah, I love that, a baseball analogy. I might use that sometime. That's great. Both parts of it. I had never thought of it in that way. But it is right. It is right. You know, a person that is asked to get up there and do a sacrifice bunt, you know, they're, they're throwing their potential records or batting average out the window. They're sacrificing their batting average to move something forward. 
to move someone forward. Right. And so that's a great analogy for funding the mission, I think. It works for batters. I was a pitcher, so I was trying to get those people out. <laughs> <laughs> when we think about funding the mission, first of all, as it was real, it's, it's a funding the mission of Jesus Christ all across Western South Dakota. And that's, you know, that, that's what this priority is about. It's really allowing us to continue and to carry on and continue to carry out the mission of Jesus Christ all across the whole diocese. And obviously there's specific things. And, and so this whole Living the Mission campaign really has come out of, you know, this priority of funding the mission. To fund the mission means that we're a community of believers. We're commu we are the body of Christ, right? Which has many members, but it, it makes us a community with Christ as our head. A community of believers who seek to live our lives for the gospel and for others. I mean, this isn't that the, that's at the heart of Christianity. I mean, that really is at the heart of Christianity. And so, as, as I, I wrote in through him, with him, and in him, you know, we embrace this mutually shared vision for the sake of building Christ's kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's a mutually shared vision in which all of us are being invited to be a part of so that Christ can continue his work in Western South Dakota. When I was a young person, I had struggles with life, as we all most do, and I hit a very dark place. And I'm very grateful for an old salty dog World War II vet, that uh, Catholic, that just sat me down and he said, uh, it's very simple, God either is or isn't, and you need to make a choice right now. There was no think about it, come back to me later. It was you make a decision right now. And by that pressure, I knew that there was, and I accepted the premise, but it really forced me to a place to, to understand what is that to me personally. Before that, it was just, I go to church, I'm a cradle Catholic, and it forced me to really internalize what does that mean? And he taught me a way of life of putting God first, others second, and myself third. As a young person, I was very selfish putting myself first. Todd and God sometimes can get kind of confusing in my head, right? And the truth today is it's very clear as to what that order is. But I look at that as the premise is that that helped me then start to understand what the Gospels have taught all along. They are that basis of placing God first, others second. And where the, the premise for the money is, it taught me the premise that it isn't really my money. It's God's money. It isn't really my car or my house. Today, I, it's not really even my wife. It's God has given me all of this abundance, and it's my job to do the best and to be the best steward that I can with what he's given me. It transformed the way that I look at money and how I utilize money in my life. When I, when I think about the first fruits and, and giving to the funding of the, of the mission, a lot of it does go back to dollar signs, but also some of those fruits are also uh, the talents and, and the time that here we go and we all have to offer up. While it's not all about the funding of the mission here, it's also very, very important because without the, without the dollars, we can't go and use other people's time and talent to go and create the dream that, that we really have to go and truly evangelize here Western South Dakota and to continue that mission that Jesus started so long ago. I, I really do think that here, you know, when we stop and think about the first fruits and put priority to it and, and what they're going to do here, it's, it's well worth it, well worth our time and effort. Just your reflection on that, uh, a community of believers, people who have a common shared belief, perhaps working towards a common shared vision or direction this particular priority plan. But also understanding uh, part of what stewardship implies is that we're not only a community of believers, that we're asked to put this faith 
into a lively sense, to live, to live it out in a lively way. And that has connection to those other two main pieces of stewardship, which is discipleship. So we're not only a community of believers who say that I believe, we're also a community of disciples who want to respond to the Lord in more than just saying, I believe. We want to respond to the Lord to whatever it is that he's calling us to, and that is the mission of the church, of the body of Christ. I can't remember who said it, if it was you, Todd, or you, Rick, but it's not only our money, my money, whatever it is that you were talking about there, whatever examples that you referenced. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's not our church. It's his church. It's yeah. his body. That's right. And we're called to be just good stewards of the body that he has given to us in the body of Jesus. And to be not only lively in our faith, but to be disciples who participate in that very body that has been given to us by our Heavenly Father. And so that faith, that community of believers, is called to be much more than just saying, I believe. It's, it's a call to say, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, and I strive to live my life in a way that is in communion and living a lively faith in his son, in his body, in the church. You know, when I was um, a single person, I'm still a single person, <laughs> when I was an unmarried person, um, or when I was not a priest, when I was a layman, I remember it was kind of back when I was like going through this, I was on the search for God. And so once I found God, I decided, to, well, I'm going to do what many single people don't do. I'm going to actually join a parish. And so I filled out the paperwork and joined the parish and even got envelopes. And that's the sad thing. That's the first thing they give you. Instead of a welcome, they give you envelopes. <laughs> that's not a good way to practice hospitality, but that's, that's, that's what happened in this parish years ago. So I, began, I got envelopes, and I began putting money in the envelope from every week. It wasn't a whole lot. But what happened is I began to go through this like conversion experience in my own heart, in my own life. And as I began to grow in this relationship with Christ and, and began to really fall in love with Christ, as that process went along, so did the amount in the envelope went up. Because of this deeper relationship with the Lord, my trust in Him grew. I, I began to see more clearly the gifts He had given to me. And so that I was more free in my heart to give more of it away in a sacrificial way. And that continued on uh, my whole time as, as, as a layperson. It kept, I kept increasing the amount, increasing the amount, increasing the amount. And then I went into the seminary. And so obviously when you're in the seminary, you don't have any money. <laughs> you can't work, so four envelopes. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, <laughs> and, and what little money I had, I had to go for, yeah, you're, you're right, for books. But I found once I was ordained, I got back into this practice, you know, as a priest, um, in the parish as a pastor, I got envelopes, and I put money in that envelope every week. And that's when tithing became more and more a part of my life, a real intentional act of tithing. As I continued on with that, what I discovered was the Lord, because priests don't have to pay for their housing and food allowance, they get a housing and food allowance, they don't have to pay for any of that. I became convicted at some point in time that the Lord's saying, you know, you're not, you're not tithing the way you used to. You know, I began to think about it. Why, why, why is that? Well, it's because I wasn't including the gift of my housing, the gift of my food that was being provided. Health and, insurance. And, and insurance and all of that yeah. stuff that, that lay people have to pay for. You know, that's given to priests. But really, it was a conviction of me to really look at that part of God's gifts in my life. But how am I to bring that into 
my whole experience of giving, making this return to the Lord. And uh, just my own personal reflection with this was even my even the salary, it comes from the generosity of the people of God. Right. It's not like I'm out there earning, uh, working and earning this because I'm providing some particular product that people are paying money for. It's another experience of, no, this is a, the generosity of the people of God in this particular parish church or in this diocesan mm -hmm. church. And the only reason why I have a salary is because of their generosity. And that's the Lord, that's the Spirit of the Lord working through them. That's the generous Lord working through them, and they're being generous. And I receive the fruit of that generosity even in my salary. But even for lay people, I think, in the sense, if you look at you know, people that have the capacity to make large salaries, sometimes they forget about it's the Lord who has given them those gifts right. in order to do that. Right. You know, so it's all a gift. I mean, if we, look at, if we look at everything in light of this relationship with the Lord, everything becomes a gift. Every, every facet of our life becomes a gift. And that's a beautiful thing, but it's, it's really, and I think the more we're drawn into this relationship with the Lord, the more we really come to realize that. My journey for the seeing a bigger picture of the financial needs um, of, of just the survival of life, of the food, clothing, shelter, transportation, and utilities basics was getting involved in my parish. Prior to that, when I would refer to what I call my checkbox Catholic era, where I'd go to church, Sunday, done, finished, you know, confession twice a year, whether I need to or not, and then you just didn't have the full scope of a parish and a parish life as a parish family. But once getting involved, especially a small parish, there's opportunities to assist with parishioners that are elderly or to just understand how expensive candles are. To see where there's maybe the altar society is a little short and they need to do whatever the, 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 the purpose and the focus and the need is. I was a, a completely unaware. That was just something that somebody else took care of. But being involved in that and seeing and understanding, and then all of a sudden it said, well, I could reach out to people and together we could make a donation to do this if we are short, especially in a small parish. And it engaged me in a very different level. Well, gentlemen, we're almost out of time. I mean, the time goes quickly. Just any, any final comments you all want to make? Pretty open-ended question there. It is. <laughs> No, I think just to kind of wrap up what you were saying too, what we were just talking about, you and I, Bishop. Before I entered seminary, I was also in the working world. After I entered seminary uh, and received the f kind of formation that I did there and being able to be formed spiritually the way I was uh, and being able to f um, deepen this relationship with the Lord, being able to recognize more and more and more, more clearly at least, more clearly, this aspect of that you were saying, that even though I was in the IT field for about five years and I went to college for that and that's what I knew I wanted to do, I recognized more and more clearly that even the capacity or the ability to be able to do the things that I was doing in the working world, those all came from a fruit of what the Lord had given me, you know, the capacity to learn that ability or right. whatever it is. So I've had both perspectives, uh, you know, the working world and life in the, life in the church. I can see that more clearly now, especially through the lens of uh, stewardship, which has that fundamental foundation being of what I have been given has been given to me for a reason. It's been given to me out of a gift, out of the generosity of the Lord. And all I'm simply called to do is be a good steward of that gift and return it in some portion, in some way, so that others can benefit and reap. And so from those gifts, you see the name of the chapter and it's funding the mission and just want to kind of close the book because nobody really wants to go and talk about that. I think that 
the funding the mission that we have before us collectively, we have the opportunity to go and do such great things and evangelize that it's it's just very important to our diocese and to our world. But even even if you go beyond that, it is just probably more important to the individual person to go and make that sacrifice, to share what God has given us. As great as it is going to be for the diocese, it's going to be for us as people too. And uh, br- briefly, the... Um the premise of in stewardship of we give of our time, we give of our special skills, or we give of our financial. Some people think it's one of the three. It's actually all three. You know, the term in the Catholic Church uh, traditionally is time, talent, and treasure. But I, I look at it, that's just a cliche. It has to be all three of those aspects, not just one or the other. Well, thank you, panel, for being with us today. Good to have you with us. I, I'm going to take the last word here on this. and. You know, when, you know, we all go to Mass every Sunday, and we go there for, a, for an important reason. And that is to encounter, enter into this deep encounter, personal encounter, communal encounter with Jesus Christ himself, our Savior, the one who has given us everything. And if we look at the life of Jesus, and we, and we look at stewardship, Jesus practiced stewardship with his life. He gave it all away. He gave it all away for the benefit of others. He gave it all away. Not 10%, not 20%, not 20, 30%. He gave 100% of it away in sacrifice for all of us. It's the deepest and most profound act of stewardship known to humankind. And we, go, we come there to receive all of that. We receive all of that as we receive himself in his body and blood. And then we're sent off back out into the world to live the gospel, to share the gospel, to give our lives away as he did. We're going to do that, then stewardship is an extremely important part of our call as a disciple. But our stewardship is also a very instrumental part of carrying out the mission of Jesus Christ in the Diocese of Rapid City. Like it or not, funding the mission, people don't like the word funding, but the funding part has come from our sacrificial love for Christ. And so I just encourage everyone to look at their lives in the, in the sense, how, the, how does that mirror the stewardship of Jesus Christ that we receive every Sunday? So Todd and Rick and Father Grant, thank you for being with us today. It's been a great conversation. The time goes quickly, as always does. But let's uh, conclude in a prayer. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. The Lord be with you and with, with your, your spirit. spirit. May Almighty God bless all of you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Go now in the peace of Christ. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Spirit.